Hola, I'm Elias Torres, co-founder and CTO of Drift. You're listening to a special episode of the American Dream Podcast. I'm able to host this podcast because of the people who took a chance on me and listened to what I had to say. Now, it's my turn to return the favor. In this episode, we highlight a small business in the BIPOC community. Make sure to support the underrepresented voices in your own community and explore the list of BIPOC-led businesses I have included in the show notes. I'm here with Mr. William Murrell, who is a business owner here in Boston, uh, has been working very closely with many people at Drift, and everybody keeps sharing with me the joys of working with him and helping him in his mission that he has been, you know, building up for uh, the majority of his life, right, uh, in right. business and helping others, a, a life of service. Uh, and everybody talks about you all the time. And, uh, and so this is a pleasure to be able to have you now uh, you. on the show here and be able to learn more about it myself and for everybody in the audience, a little bit about your unique journey and where you came from and to what you're doing today. So definitely we want to highlight uh business owners, entrepreneurs, especially people that want to help the community uh, that, that, that needs a lot of support and help. So please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you were born, where do you come from, and how you got into tech. Thank you, Elias. It's a pl my pleasure being here. My pleasure meeting you as well, my first time. I, um, I'm in Boston, but I've been here. Um, I'm not a native of Boston. I was, I was raised in New York City and Gastonia, North Carolina. And I came to Boston in search of a job after Charlotte was really nice, but not as exciting. And they didn't have a Berkeley College of Music. So in my background, I'm kind of like a hobby guitar player and I wanted to be around Berkeley and, and musicians. So I came up here with the idea to just stay for three years. I had a job, a company moved me up here. I was doing um, computer actual tomography, CAT scanner engineering. It's all in CAT scanners at hospitals. And I just stayed and um, essentially um, started working um, different places. I worked for the Boston Public Schools as an electronic teacher. I worked for Wang Labs way back when. Uh, and then during that school year of vacation time, I took off and started a company, a computer repair business in the North End. I hear about people saying there are no black businesses in the North End. Well, that was at 80, I was at 83 Commercial Street in the Mercantile Wharf building for three years. And we grew there and then grew out of there and went to Cambridge. But uh, basically, uh, Boston just had everything I needed. You know, it had the nightlife, it had a day life, it had jobs, it had people. I was young, I was not married at the time, and it just kept me stimulated, and uh, I got here. But it also had technology, too. At that time, it was what, the 128 uh, loop? And now it's like innovation. So it keeps, keeps, keep, keeps keeping it together. Absolutely. Those were the... The magical days, a, li a little bit before my time, but like, for example, was the WAN, the WAN system, computer systems, were, were those in the Lowell, Massachusetts? Well, was that the WAN Tower? WAN was headquartered in Lowell, and um, we were in the VS100 group, but the Megalon Central, what it did was, it was the bigger, it was their mainframe. So uh, John Hancock would run four floors of staff with it, or a company like Lowe's, it would be their point of sale system. Uh, and it was leading at the time, but it's so interesting how things can change so fast. You know, Wayne ultimately went out of business, but right. uh, yes. it's, it's, and that's how I got to public schools. Like they were shut, they were shutting down. They were like, "Man, you should go contribute your talent to the public schools. We'll help you." 
we'll even pay your first year. I'm like, oh, okay, I've never taught before. They said, well, go to school and learn how to teach. So I did that and got my certificate and, and did a year in uh, teaching ninth to 12th graders. It was fun. But, and I thought I was going to stick with it, but like, uh, it was just not possible after I had that first year off of three long months with nothing to do and started doing other stuff. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's like the, the 128 loop, uh, our investors, uh, CRV, when we when David and I started into business, uh, they they were based in, um, in, in, in Waltham, right? Okay, yeah. By the, by the pond of 128. I think they used to call it Mount Money, where all mm -hmm. the, the VCs and the investors would be. It was there. a cluster, yeah. It was the clusters there and all the computers. So there's so much history with, with the early computers that a lot of people don't realize from Boston. Everybody thinks Silicon Valley. And there's That's a lot true. of it's a lot of heritage, uh, and we're we're excited to build upon those those giants like like yourself that work in the early days in the, in the computer systems here. It's, it's like great. Uh, I worked at IBM. Did you work at IBM too? I think I saw. I worked at IBM at a Charlotte, at a Charlotte. I did out in field engineering. Uh, we would call it CEs, customer engineers. And I told them transfer me to Boston, transfer me to Boston. They wouldn't, so I had to find my own way up here. But it was. IBM was fun. I liked IBM. <laughs> it was fun. Well, well, tell me more. What was a customer engineer? Uh, Allstate Insurance, for example, we'll use them as an example. They'd have this big spread uh, office space in like suburbs where they just process whatever they process. So IBM equipment, whether it's like uh, mini computers, telecommunications, that's what ran their stuff. And a field engineer would just get a, a service call. Hello, system down, printer won't print or the computer won't boot or whatever, or a hard drive won't load or whatever, and we would just go there and make it work. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Uh, the customer part was the psychology part. They took a lot of hand-holding, because they figured they spent a lot of money on this stuff, and they couldn't figure out why it kept on breaking. <laughs> uh, but they called it customer engineer, but um, yeah. It's more or less like a field service technician. Got it. That was, um, my first job in tech was at IBM, Wow. And my job was to support the customer, connect to the internet. Ah, okay. In 1996 or 97. Interesting, right. So like I'm dating myself here and, and, and basically customers would call and we would use the IBM mainframes to look up the, the guides and send them faxes with like the tutorials of how to configure Windows 95 at the time. Wow. Uh, yeah. Dial into Prodigy, into this. Oh, you know, yeah. This, this. So, <laughs> so I was, that was my first job. I was a support, a support person taking the phone calls with a headset. Yep. You know, oh, yeah. That's amazing. Day, day and night. Uh, I mean, this stuff doesn't work without people like us. You know, it's not got to have somebody to fix it, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I would say, I think it's like, yeah, let's, let's connect that about fixing. I think that... Uh, having the ability to fix things is such a not everybody has it william i, I will say and, and and i think that uh i remember one of my mentors at ibm he was an amazing debugger we called him right he was a debugger because he would troubleshoot the problem right to figure out where in the chain uh, in the sequence of events where, where did the breakage happen, right? It's like to be yeah. able to find that root of the problem is such an amazing thing. You know, that reminds it, me of how they trained us. And, and we would have these training labs where it wasn't how much we knew in our head. It was how much we followed the, uh, the decision tree. Is the red light on? Yes or no? 
And we got graded more on did we get the decision tree right in terms of troubleshooting, like you just described, than, than we did knowing what to do. Because intuitively, you can know what to do, but they didn't care. They wanted to know, how did you get to the problem through our IBM manuals? <laughs> and you get graded on that stuff. But they had excellent training, um, and, I, and I enjoyed that part. And, and so well. all that work, right, you, you, you know, doing that, Wang, doing IBM, what did that involve into like you building, starting your own business in the 80s? You so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first job, my first company was computer repair. Toys R Us was this big toy store. It had this hot selling unit called the Commodore 64. It had about a 60% failure rate. We went to a com uh, a, 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 one of these stores of Toys R Us one time. They were just stacked up against the wall. And we asked the manager, what's going on? Are you going to send them back? He said, no. I, I said, well, we can fix those. And he's like, Please take them off my, our hands. And uh, if you can fix them, I'll pay you a flat rate per unit. I mean, these, at the time, they cost $600. We'd get like maybe $40 to fix one. That was how we got, that was our first customer. As it turned out, Commodore the brand had business equipment in law firms in downtown. And we were at Mercantile Wharf Building, which is right downtown. And all those guys started converting over to IBM PC. IBM PC and WordPerfect and WordStar and all that became the it. So they started giving us all their business equipment to fix. And that was really for the first two years, we didn't see IBM PCs. We were just fixing Commodore stuff. And then one thing led to another and we started uh, fixing IBM PCs. Um, and then ultimately started selling them, but IBM was very picky about who, you could, who, who could sell them. They didn't let any dealer sell them. You had to be like a multi-million dollar player to even be, have the right to resell it at the time. Before they so got you were, you were fixing and reselling them or just fixing them? Uh, we were fixing them in the beginning, at least for three years. Repair only, repair only. We started selling when customers started wanting to buy. They were like, don't you guys sell these things? You're the, you're the repair people. We're like, no, we just fix them. They said, well, I want to buy one from somewhere. We kind of got brought into selling through the customer's desire to just have a one-stop shop. One-stop shop. Yeah, customers don't want to go into too many places, right? It, that's right. It's like, we want to save time. We want to save money. We want the best service. We want yep. someone that solves our problems. And it seems like you're one of those, right? It's like yeah. you come in, people come to you and you, you solve. You get, you get shit done. You solve the problem. And I think that's where the nerve of being a one-stop uh, multi-service multi, uh, center online is. It's like, I don't care what the next question is because when you're out there doing field service, you really don't know what the next problem is going to be. You don't know what customer you're walking into. You don't know what their personality is. You don't know anything about it until you get there and, and figure it out. You know, and sometimes the place is ready to, to, to catch on fire, and other times it feels like a country club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like... So tell me a little bit more about you ran your business, you know, you worked at large corporations, mega computer companies, then you started your own business, you you found your way through navigating the maze, seeking for opportunities, seeing opportunity where most people did not know what was happening and rode that wave and 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 now, you know, always been, you know, self self-employed, you know, from 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 those days on. And now you're running this great organization, right? That is that is here to support the community, uh, while still you know raising funds. And tell me about it. Tell me about the mission that you have for for BlackBoston.com. Being an African American, I was looking. Mm, wow, ten years ago, I was looking on the internet for something to do in Boston. 
Labor Day weekend, have a family, two kids. What are we going to do? And I wanted it to be African-American oriented. Couldn't find a thing at Faneuil Hall, because I was familiar with that area because of Mercantile War. Couldn't find a thing in the brochures about what to do that was black oriented. And really couldn't find it anywhere else. So I said, well, there must be something going on. So let me create a website that has a list of these things. So if you want to know where to go, and you're a black African-American, and you just want to know what to do African-American culture-wise, refer to this website called aboutblackboston.com. So that was the name of the first website, aboutblackboston.com. So make a long story short, that one site generated so much interest from people. I remember the first significant call was from the, uh, the Harvard Law School alumni organization asking me what nightclub to rent for their party with the Yale people, with the Harvard, with, they were playing a football game. And it was the black law, law students against the black law students in Yale. And they was gonna have a big party. And they wanted to know, well, where should we go? And I would get questions like that through this one-page website. And every time I got an answer, I would put that answer back on the site. And so that was the loop. People ask the question, I find the answer offline, put it back on the site. It kind of grew. And that's really the, the ultimate. So I, so, so I then retitled it, the online guide to Black Boston for visitors and tourists. A uh, long name, but essentially that's what it did. And then from that point on, I started adding resources. Like, okay, here's all these things you can places to go and things to do. But if you're a business like I am building, and you want to get tra business training or business funding, consult these sources. Or if you're um, a, 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 a teacher and you want to consider a certification class, uh, like a shortcut, you don't have to go to four years of college and you want to learn coding, here's another list of stuff. So the list kept growing. <laughs> and then I would add content, context to it by, by paragraphs and thoughts and words and things of that nature. And then people started sending me stuff as well. So that was the hobby years and that was, that was going on while I was doing IT contracting on the side. That was, that, that was why it was growing over the years. And then at one point, it just got to a point where people started wanting to advertise. and they didn't have prices up there. They wanted to know how much things cost, and that became pretty consistent. And I said, well, I may as well make a business out of it. So I put some ad rates up there, and, mm -hmm. and one thing led to another. Then I started thinking about how do I really grow this? So I invented an app uh, that helps people find affordable housing just by making a phone call. And it sends the, um, the affordable housing lease application to their cell phone just by making a phone call. Uh, that was one app we, we added. We also learned that um, people will buy data. So if you put together demographic charts of like Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, whatever, and if you just put together information as PDFs, people will buy that for a dollar, for four dollars. They'll buy different things. Uh, then came the business list because I was at the time a certified minority-owned business in the state of Massachusetts during my first business days. And I'm like, wow, this, this, I should put that list out here because people have no idea who these companies are. And sure enough, that became a hit as well in terms of like reasons people come to the site. So I always tell people, <clears throat> people come to the site with intent. They start in Google and they type in something like daycare center in Manapan. And Google is friendly to us. And with luck, Google will bring that query to us. And this is where Drift will say hello and then we just get deeper and deeper about what that person wants from that initial uh, request. And so many people, I'd say the majority, vast majority, white, black, BIPOC, you name it, they're coming to find out where to buy things from other black businesses. That's what they want to do. That's, the, that's probably the number one reason they visit. That's the number one reason they visit Google 
that Google sends them here. Now, I want Google to send me some other stuff, and I'm working on that. That's just SEO. <laughs> but, uh, right. but like, uh, it's, Google brings us 90% of our traffic just by no, us sitting here. And uh, it's, it's pretty nice to have it that way. That's amazing. I think that you, um, you're such a natural entrepreneur, right, that understand that the, the foundation of, of loops, right, to mm -hmm. be able to engage and grow the audience that, that most people like kind of leave that, um, do not notice, right, the importance of that. In order to create growth, to increase traffic, to increase monetization potential, right, on, on that. Exactly. But I think you're, you're a storyteller and, and, and I think you're, you understand, you see the, the pain and the needs and you're addressing those, right, by, by picking things that people have interest in. I mean, affordable housing, those are all things affecting our communities, right? Yeah. And, and ultimately, how do we support one another by buying uh, from our businesses and, and to be able to help those businesses grow? That's right. Right, and reach right. major scale. Because one of the biggest issues I see, it's probably the same, right, for African-American, but Latin American businesses in, in Massachusetts at best break $100,000 okay. uh, a year, right? So okay. the, 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 the revenue, the income, uh, ceiling that they end up hitting, right? It's it's very low. Even though it's kind of considered that that Latin Americans tend to support each other's communities and businesses, right? I mean, is that yeah, a cultural, that's a cultural thing, yeah? It's a cultural thing, right? And so, and 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 um, because of the service that we get, the familiarity, the products, the inventory that they will manage, all right. Uh, it's in the relationships and just support ourselves, right? It's something that yeah. communities are naturally drawn to do. Yeah. And, uh, but the limits that we have on the types of businesses we grow, uh, we can break them by helping and supporting each other. That's right. That because so a, a, a white-owned business, the average business in, in Massachusetts is about eight hundred to 900000 in revenue a year. Ah, okay. I don't know if, if you That's know a lot. That, right? Yeah, That's I didn't a, know it's that. It's a big gap. Yeah, it's yeah. a big gap, and so that that's why wow. it's like what you're doing is very important. That's a right? big gap. Mm -hmm. Because we have to help the businesses survive, but then most importantly, we have to help them grow. Right? Exactly. I, that's I, right, I because we're, we're not getting the opportunities that they're getting. I mean, there's reasons for it, but we just we don't get the calls sometimes, you know? Yeah, but what but what you've done, right, is to, to build this community for such a long time, Yeah. right, to be here, it's, it's an inspiration in itself, right? And, 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 and let's talk about sharing, you know, tips of, like, how did you learn how to become such a listener, right? How to be such a person of, that you enjoy helping the community. I think that you finding your passion is something that many of us, uh, especially many younger people than us, right? It's like, are looking to figure out, right? It's like, how could you be so, I, I feel like you're, you're so happy, you have your purpose, you have the people that you serve, I think that's what people are strive, strive right nowadays to. That, that's what we all want, right? You know, my mom Tell said... Tell us about that. Teach me yeah. about life. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question because, like, you don't get it from school for sure. You know, mom told me one time, she said, you know, you have the gift of helps. I'm like, okay. She said, yeah, you like to help people. And I, I forget what age I heard that, but it's almost like it's kind of true. You know, um, I'll, a person asks me a question, a complete stranger, I'll give them an answer. <laughs> And then give them too much of an answer sometimes, and I don't even think about why, you know. But it, but it does, uh, to me, it makes humanity better and safer to help people as much as you can. 
And, and, and I notice how medical professionals do the same thing. You know, if you're ever in the hospital for any extended stay and you have to get taken care of by nurses, it's amazing how far out of the way they go beyond their job to make you feel comfortable. Um, and I think, too, the nurturing aspect of, like, see, it's, satis it's satisfying to see a problem resolved. And, and learn that from IT. You know, you go in, the thing is hard, you're sweating, you want to get home, you fix it, you're happy. But so is everybody else around you too. Because now they can go back to work and get, and get their paycheck on time and all that stuff. Um, so I think it's part of, part of the satisf satisfaction of being useful and being helpful to someone. And uh, the fact that it, there seems to always be a need for someone to get, people would rather, even though the information is laid out there in tables and they can see it on the web page, they would rather be told what to do than look for it themselves. I think that's just human nature. Yeah, I think that's, that's part of what keeps us in, in, keeps us in the running. They were willing to, to, to tell them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think that uh, your mother must have been amazing, right? And, and that, that word, right, that those words that she gave you, whether you had it in you or whether it was implanted by her, it's a combination, yeah. but it's such much wisdom, right? She knew you, right? She knew yes. you deeply and said, you have the gift of helps. And, yep. and She volunteered she everywhere. I mean, it was just amazing. I didn't see it when I was, you know, in the home, so to speak, how much volunteering she did. And so I got outside the home and would go visit again and then listen to what her friends would say about her, especially when she passed. And, and listen to the testimonies at the funeral. And I was like, wow, she did all this? <laughs> all out of, out, of, out of the goodness of her heart, all wanting to volunteer. Well, and that's what we're saying about you, right? That you have that, yeah. that, that gift helps and you've been helping the community because it's like, you are a connector. You are, you know, sharing information with one another, yep. being able to, you know, you're putting the effort and your time to write those articles, to write those answers, to write the resources, maintain them because most people come, they'll take the answer, they take the answer to the question that they have and they'll go, right? That's right. Uh, but someone has to curate it, right? Someone has to keep it up to date. So it's that the groundwork, that's so stronger. true. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, in, the, in the middle of the night, you're digging and you're writing stuff and you wonder, why am I doing this? You know, I mean, who's gonna read it? Who's gonna care? Sometimes you doubt whether or not it's worth the effort, but then you realize as you do it and release it and put it out there, it's really worth the effort. But sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, this is this is like tedious. <laughs> I think but, that you, uh, you 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 are you're addicted to the to the same thing that society is addicted. I feel like people, everybody is addicted now to a like on Instagram, on social network. You know, oh somebody like how many likes did you get to this video? And, and that is needs to be a little bit connected back to kind of what you're doing. You you mm -hmm. get a like right when somebody gets help. That's right. From, from you, from an article, and then right. satisfaction. I like what you said. Like when you fix a problem, and then everybody else around you is happier because the problem is fixed. That satisfaction that you get is what, you know, has made your life, you know, worthwhile. That you get a lot of satisfaction and pride from that. Yep, that's right. That's, that's excellent. Uh, look, I, I appreciate that. This has been uh, get to finally meet you, you know, not in person, but online. Get to talk with you. Le learn the story of Mr. William Morrell, uh, <laughs> owner of BlackBoston.com. You, you know, got this it. Is not to meant to, uh, uh, this is not meant to be a drift advertising, but, you know, we, we support you. You use drift to engage and connect with your visitors yes. and help them in any way you can. 
and and what an inspiration to to me and to others that sometimes when we're looking for a, for a sense of purpose or direction mm -hmm. you just laying it out right there it's very simple mm, just help others you. around you right and and you. And, yes. and you will feel you will feel great and i think that uh, we appreciate it we appreciate what you're doing for the community uh i want to find other uh, maybe um Latin-owned businesses that are doing the same, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so people of all races, of all ethnicity, of all backgrounds that are looking to to find communities, right, and find different types of of businesses, services, and products, right? They can find them uh, because people want to help, right? And yes. I think that uh, you're you're enabling people to help as well as you're helping them uh, others. So, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, it's thank been you. a pleasure to hear the story and. You know, my team loves you and they want to help you. And so in any ways that Drift can help the community wow. and you, we're, we're glad to be of service as well. Thank you so much, Elias. So appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the American Dream Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss when a new episode drops. If you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about my American Dream mission, subscribe to my newsletter, link in the show notes.